Welcome to Strung Out, the podcast that looks at life through the lens of an artist. Your host is the artist, writer, and musician, Martin Lawrence McCormack. Now here's Marty. Hey everybody, welcome to Strung Out. Glad to have you with us on this latest edition, the 119th podcast, and a lot going on in the world, and I can't turn away from it without addressing it, so buckle up. We're going to talk once again about how crazy we've been with the news. Seems every week has given us a year's worth of news lately. And if you feel the same way I do, you're probably stressing out. I just got back from my doctor, and my doctor informed me I have right now high blood pressure. So I'm thrilled about that. Hopefully I can bring it under level and not have to have any kind of chemical inducements, if you will, medication. But we will see what happens. And who do I blame for my high blood pressure? A little tiny Russian guy guy by the name of Vladimir Putin. And what has gone on this week is an amazing game of chess, if you want to look at it that way. I think it is. I think that Putin is working with everything he has on the board right now. He has a lousy army. He has a determined foe in the fact that Ukraine is working really hard to secure their independence. If Putin has done anything, he has created the nation of Ukraine as a democracy that has a sense of nobility about it. If you go back a decade, it was doing what a lot of countries would do in the Eastern European former Soviet bloc. They had corruption, they had problems with bribes and what have you. So this is really quite an amazing turnaround. But that being said, what we saw this week that happened with the annexation of the four provinces, or oblasts, as they like to call them, is a very interesting game of chess. Why would Putin do it now? He's going to do it now because this is the opportunity to give him legitimacy in the eyes of his own people, those people that are willing to follow him still, which is quite a chunk of people. They believe that the West is out to get Russia. And this is what is happening, is you have a person and his military and his political arm, all working in concert with the understanding that they're at war with the West. They are at war, not just with Ukraine, but with all of us. And we have to let that sink in. First of all, that's the mentality that's going on. So Putin has staked himself, if you will, to the hill that he's going to die on. And that hill is called Ukraine. Now, with the sham elections and the annexation, and by the way, wow, isn't that amazing how fast they can have elections over there? We have a couple things to learn, I guess. 
that's all show, but it's also, like I said, positioning. Some experts are saying that now Russia will say, well, the Ukrainians are attacking part of Russia. Very feeble legitimacy in the eyes of the world, but again, for the domestic audience, and at this point in the game, Putin doesn't care what you and I think. All he cares about is staying alive and winning somehow, however that looks. And that's the important part. Putin has to win something, right? At least the way it goes politically in Russia. Because if you don't act strong, if you're not the big guy, you're going to be replaced by somebody that thinks they can be the big guy. And that's something that we have to talk about. Let me continue along. The big concern, of course, is he going to use nuclear weapons? Will there be what they call the strategic nuke? When you examine what a strategic nuclear device is, it's something that's about one kiloton. And it can destroy a fairly good size area not to mention radiation, too. So it's a weapon of last choice, even if you're going to gain some sort of strategic upper hand. That's going to be interesting. All things point to the fact that's not going to happen in this case, as far as nukes being used at this point. Because we do have the mobilization of people in Russia that are coming in to try to secure those four provinces that were illegally taken away. So that's the next thing to watch. Ukraine is on a roll. They're strong, disciplined, and they're moving forward. So if it gets to the point where it looks like all four provinces, all four oblasts, and Crimea, let's not forget Crimea, are going to be taken over. Then you're going to see the use of those devices. Which brings me to the point I want to make is that somewhere in Russia, in the upper echelon, among the oligarchs, there is going to be somebody that is going to say to themselves, if I can get rid of Putin, we can clean up this mess. So you have to ask yourself, what's at stake for that person? Right now, what's at stake is the possibility of being found out and killed. Each week, there's an ongoing stream of people that have been eliminated by Putin. And uh, too many to really even go through. And they're all like falling out of windows, falling downstairs. So it's obvious that Putin's already working hard to silence his critics. Or you could say he's trying to figure out who his critics may be. And he's going to silence them before they even can become critics. That's where we're at in this game.
So what can the West do? I think the main thing that the West can do right now is to look and see if it hasn't been done already. There is that person or persons in Russia that will be willing to topple Putin. It's going to happen as more people get killed. It's a race against time. Yes. It's a race against time in the sense that the the conventional war continues the way it's continuing and Russians are getting killed and the people are getting disgruntled and angry, then Putin really has nothing to lose because he knows he's a goner. And I don't think he has that deep of a love for Mother Russia. Just doesn't seem like he's that kind of person. I think he's totally into himself and he sees himself on the historical stage. And like all dictators, he's going to go out with a bang. And a big bang, probably. So the West has to see how they can reach anybody that might be sane in Russia. More than likely, there's somebody in the military that is starting to think, this is just for the birds. So watch that, because that's where the race is going to happen. Ukraine will keep grinding down the Russian forces. They're going to keep making advances. And any kind of saber rattling on the part of the United States, right now, that's what Putin probably wants. He wants us to fight him. So it's a difficult situation and a scary one at that, too. This is probably the most intense confrontation since the Cuban Missile Crisis. So that should give you some pause for reflection. We're at this point and we can't go back into history and correct things, but we're here because we allowed such a dictator to gain power. We're also here because of Crimea. We allowed him to walk in there without really any repercussions whatsoever. But I think we've learned our lessons. And I think we're at this point now where with the blowing up of the Nord Stream 1 and 2, moves on the chessboard. You could almost say what Putin's trying to do is just protect the king with his rooks. His main army, the queen, has been severely beaten back. As an effective fighting force right now, it's severely limited.
according to all news that I've seen. So that's where we're at right now. And we have to just suck in our breath, say some prayers, trust in our military, trust in our CIA, Western Intelligence Organizations, and really hope that somehow we can get the head taken off of the beast. I think that would change things very rapidly. I heard it best said by an Ukrainian official in which he said, what we have to do now is more than just take back the territory in Ukraine. It's clearly obvious that Russia with nukes is a dangerous entity to the world. And eventually what's going to have to happen is that if the opportunity comes to disarm Russia, it's going to have to happen. If that was to happen, we might have a chance as a people on this planet. We'll just have to, again, wait and see and trust and pray. So, like you, I'm just reading all the news that I can about it and trying to get the different perspectives. But I thought that was very interesting that Ukrainian official brought it to that level, what it is. We can no longer treat Russia as some sort of responsible country. Period. The United Nations is coming to light with that, too. Some of the allies or near allies of Russia are also coming to that revelation, like India, which relies on Russia for their arms. When a country goes this nuts, it's pretty easy to decide what side you need to be on. And I think you're seeing that playing out now with smaller countries, for example, the Solomon Islands, which were cozying up to the Chinese, just signed a very big Pacific Island nation pact with the United States, with other Pacific Island nations. This is significant because we bailed out of the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, by the former president. And that kind of for a while, hamstrung us from being able to give these islands what they need the most, economic aid and an ability to shore up, fortify their islands against climate change. So this latest agreement, I think, has been helped by smaller countries looking and seeing who are the true bullies on the block. You might not like the United States. You might not like all our politics and you might not like capitalism we're probably still the best thing going on. Let's just think about that. And let's remember how strong we are as the West. We have so many great allies around the world. And if you were ever thinking you were in a Tolkien novel, I wouldn't blame you right now. We're going to take a break. 
We'll be back with more Strung Out after this. Why sign up for the weekly bulletin at martinmccormack.com? Well, you get the latest writing of Marty. What's new on the podcast, Strung Out? What's new at the gallery? What's coming up on the Mr. Marty Show? The art video of the week. The music video of the week. And you get 20% off at Marty Fine Art for signing up. Go to martinmccormack.com and become part of the gang. That's martinmccormack.com.
Okay, welcome back. And I just want to talk about in this next segment something that happened that was pretty amazing. And that was we blasted an asteroid out in space. I believe that was the NASA DART mission, right? Double asteroid redirection test. So if you were too busy looking at what was going on with everything in Russia and Ukraine, and not to mention the hurricane, you might have missed this. This was a huge thing. A couple things that came out of it, too. First of all, this is the first time that two of our interstellar observation devices, the Hubble Telescope and the James Webb Telescope, looked at one incident happening at the exact moment. So you're getting these great pictures that are slowly coming back. NASA slammed this dart into the asteroid Dimorphos. And it's going to take a while for us to get all the results as to whether the trajectory was changed. But from what I read, it sounds like they really created much more of an impact than they were even counting on. Now, this is not a nuclear device. This is just a device that they shot out and rammed into this asteroid with the idea that in the future, we're going to be able to do this for other asteroids that may threaten Earth. And it doesn't take a big asteroid really to threaten Earth. So that's part of the thing. It's exciting on that level. What they did see, and if you get a chance, you should really look up the pictures. You can just Google NASA DART. But it is a lot of material going off into space from the impact. And it is huge. In fact, some of the folks at NASA were wondering if by any chance there was anything left of Dimorphos. So that's how big of an impact this thing had. It's so exciting. And why is it great? We're going to be able to protect Earth. We're going to protect humanity. If we get, it took 10 months for this craft, it collided with Dimorphos at 15,000 kilometers per hour. Okay. Will it have nudged the asteroid? That's the big question. We didn't want to destroy it. All we wanted to do was just see if we can change its trajectory. And like I said, it's going to take a couple months to determine more than likely it probably did. And we should be very grateful for the fact that we're using some technology for peaceful means. And this is a this is an important thing for the survival of our species in the long run. A little bit of good news. And uh, check it out. Check out and look at the pictures that are coming out of this amazing mission with DART. And we're going to take a break. And we'll be back with the final segment of Strung Out. Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Alexa. Did you know that you can listen to Marty's music on all these stations? 
All you have to do is enter Martin Lawrence McCormack in the search. Subscribe, like, and listen.
segment has to do with nature. Again, nature seems to always want to try to kill us, and we seem to always enable nature to kill us, in this case, climate change. So we have Hurricane Ian that came in this week, and after ravaging Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Cuba, and Basad through Florida, and now is running up the coast, inland from South Carolina and dropping off a lot of rain, a lot of rain that if you were working a rain farm, like I tell people to that we need, you would be getting your year's supply to ship out to Arizona right now. But the big deal is that we have to accept the fact that we are dealing with climate change. And as I mentioned in the first section, the Pacific Island nations are totally aware of the fact that we're in deep trouble with getting our climate in order. There's a lot of solutions out there. There's a lot of short-term solutions. I mentioned on a previous podcast about the idea of dropping iron filings, iron dust, if you will, in the ocean would cause an abundance of a photoplankton, which would again draw down the carbon dioxide, release oxygen, and combat climate change, as one scientist said. Give me a barge full of iron filings and I'll give you the next ice age. I don't know why we're not doing that. Also, the idea of these modified 747s to fly about 43,000 feet and spraying fluorocarbons over the poles for roughly $11 billion. There are some solutions out there, and we just have to have the will to do it. But more than that, I think we have to come to the acceptance of the fact that there is climate change. And it's amazing to me that there are people that still want to nickel and dime this topic to death in the sense that they don't believe that we are going through a significant climate change. These hurricanes should be a good indicator and the amount of destruction that they have caused. We've already started working on it and It is heartening to see when I travel across the United States right now on tour, it is encouraging to see all the wind turbines, to see the new areas that have been totally dedicated over to solar panels. These are things that are going to bring about a big change in time. So there's hope for humanity, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. We have leadership in this country that doesn't want to accept the idea of climate change, not because climate change isn't real, but it's not politically expedient for them to accept it. They still are in collusion with the petrochemical companies, oil companies. 
So in order to go and get climate change to truly work, at least from a political standpoint, a government standpoint, we have to go after our own system of politics in which we allow lobbyists and companies to bankroll politicians. That's also important to combat climate change. Right now, it looks like the Democratic Party is probably the best party suited for seeing that happen. However, there are people that call themselves Democrats that take a lot of funds from the petroleum industry, the coal industry, the fossil fuel industries. So nobody is an innocent here. And that's important to remember. But like any other topic that's a red button issue, as we near the midterm elections, it's important to see what a candidate specifically stands on when it comes to issues like climate change. But also, if they are willing to support political reform, that's really important. If they're not, don't vote for them. They don't have your interests at heart. So that's it for this week. And I promise when I come back next week, I'm going to go off on a totally different subject because I'm sure at this point we're all tired of gloom and doom. So I apologize to that, you guys. And try to find something a little more lighthearted or interesting. Don't forget to support me at Buy Me a Coffee. Really can use the support. And remember, please be good and do good. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. For more information about this show or a transcript, visit martinmccormack.com. While there, sign up for our newsletter. See you next time on Strung Out. It's all so wrong, it's pain we feel, makes no sense at all. The swan song was a part of the deal, was no good at all. Giving out joys, giving out steps.